When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Iceberg Recap, your home for Pittsburgh Penguins game recaps and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from Arizona Coyotes 5, Pittsburgh Penguins 2, back-to-back losses in the desert for the Pittsburgh Penguins who come home empty-handed from their quick two-game road trip out west. This one was an all-time flat response to their loss in Vegas. We talked about the Vegas Golden Knights game, a game in which the Pittsburgh Penguins had a 2-0 lead going into the third period, and from that point, Up until right now, the Pittsburgh Penguins just have not been a very good hockey team. We'll get into all of it in this one. Then we also have a full episode of the Tip of the Iceberg today, so plenty of Penguins content coming for you. Plenty of discourse and discussion surrounding what we saw last night at the Mullet Arena. Penguins, you know, last night they just couldn't create an iota of offense at 5-on-5. They couldn't. From the first line down through the fourth line, the defense, the goaltending, the head coach, Nobody was effective last night for the Pittsburgh Penguins, except for Sidney Crosby. I I mean, that's a tale as old as time. Sidney Crosby continues to come out and be the best player on the Pittsburgh Penguins as he has been for the past 18 seasons. But even he couldn't bring the Pittsburgh Penguins back into not being embarrassed last night against the Arizona Coyotes. The power play continued to look very bad. I believe they're 0 for their last 18 or 0 for their last 19. Regardless of what it is, they haven't scored in a very long time. And once again, they are one of the worst units in the bottom three of the National Hockey League in that very, very important area. I mean, we talk about special teams and how important special teams are for every team in the National Hockey League. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have a great penalty kill, but it's just overshadowed by how inept this power play has been this season. They went 0 for 38 at one point this season. They had a pretty decent stretch there in mid-December. And then once again, we're back on the same train. The power play looks like it's not going to be able to make any contributions anytime soon. And for a team that's on the outside looking into a playoff spot past the halfway point of the season, that's just not a very good sign. And then, of course... You know, you have another disastrous third period as we'll get to, and yes, we'll get to the own goal. If you didn't see it last night, pause this video, go check out the own goal because we are going to discuss it in this episode. We're going to discuss it in Tip of the Iceberg because it is a historically bad performance and a historically bad moment 
for two future Hall of Famers. But let's get into the goal recap from this one. Penguins, like I said, didn't come out good early. It was kind of a low event first period. Not a lot of shots on goal, but there was one goal scored, and that was by a former Pittsburgh Penguin in Jason Zucker. The puck kind of just happened to fall on his stick. I see a lot of people giving certain players, Jeff Carter, Chris Letang, even Marcus Pedersen, some crap for that opening goal. But at the end of the day, Logan Cooley made a good move getting into the offensive zone. He sent the puck towards the middle of the ice, and I've looked at it multiple times. What I think happened is it looked like it hit off of Chris Letang's stick and then fell straight down into where Jason Zucker was in the front of the net. Yes, you'd like to have somebody covering him. Yes, you'd like Chris Letang to not allow that pass to go through, but at the end of the day, it was a nice pass there by Logan Cooley. He gets his 17th assist of the season on Jason Zucker's seventh goal of the season and the Pittsburgh Penguins didn't really have much pushback in the first period and that's where things stood at the end of one frame one to nothing in favor of Arizona second period begins Penguins look like they have their legs a little bit more than they did in the first period Lars Eller comes in on a rush after a beautiful job by P.O. Joseph to get into the zone and really attack the net front he drops it off to Lars Eller. Eller gets into the middle of the ice. It hits about three or four different players before it goes into the back of the net, but they don't ask how. They ask how many. The Pittsburgh Penguins tied things up at one on Lars Eller's eighth goal of the season. P.O. Joseph with the lone assist, his third of the season. Just a little bit later, the Pittsburgh Penguins have a defensive zone breakdown. Stop me if you've heard that before. And they leave Yuso Valimaki wide open, right in the rail, right in the heart of the zone, right in front of Tristan Jari, and he does not miss from there. His first goal of the season to put Arizona back up by a score of 2-1. to one. Clayton Keller was the one that gave him the really nice feed, his 23rd assist of the season. And Matias Michelli, somebody who maybe I should be paying more attention to, gets his 24th assist of the season. He was pretty good in this one, making some pretty sneaky moves, some sneaky passes, and keeping the Arizona Coyotes on top. A little bit later in the second period, Penguins on the power play. They do not score on the man advantage, but just as the penalty expires... Eric Carlson sends down a hard pass to Sidney Crosby, who is wide of the net, but he does the Sidney Crosby thing, and he just chips it in from basically the face-off dot, but down close towards the goal line. A beautiful goal for Sidney Crosby. His continuance of dominance of this National Hockey League is incredible. He now has 27 goals on the season. He tied things up at two there. Eric Carlson extends his point streak to nine games, and Evgeny Malkin picks up a secondary assist as well, his 23rd assist of the season. And with that, at that point, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they tie things up at two. You think, okay, this is where they go. Sidney Crosby's brought them back onto the ice. He's brought them back even. But when you look at what happens after that, the next time Sidney Crosby even steps foot on the ice, he's down by a goal again. Very shortly after, Alexander Kerfoot gets his seventh goal of the season. Assist goes to Jason Zucker. The Pittsburgh Penguins once again looked flatter than you could imagine after scoring that tying goal, and they give up. The lead goal there going into the third period down by a score of 3-2. to two, And this is where things got interesting. Penguins on the penalty kill. Draw a power play. A good job by Brian Rust and Nolachari in the offensive zone to push the issue, to pressure the Arizona Coyotes, and to even things up to make sure that it was going to be 4-on-4 four four and eventually give the Pittsburgh Penguins a minute-long power play. And Brian Rust even makes a smart move. Carries the puck out of the offensive zone, trying to kill some time. That way... Jansen Harkin's penalty can continue to be killed, and the Penguins can have a little bit more of an extended time on the man advantage down a goal. He sends it back, ends up going to Chris Letang. Goaltender comes out. Chris Letang does a drop pass, which, let's face it, is a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins scheme in every sense of the word. Evgeny Malkin just whiffs on the puck, 
one hand on his stick, and it goes into the Pittsburgh Penguins net. An own goal makes it 4-2, to two, and I'm going to say this right now. If you didn't think that the game was over at that point in time, I applaud your optimism. I applaud your optimism, and I hope your unbridled view of the world does not get ruined anytime soon, because I think everybody knew at that moment in time the Pittsburgh Penguins were done. They're not coming back in this game, not after that happened. There was still, I believe, like 14 minutes left on on in the third period. There was a lot of time left in the third period. They could have come back from a two-goal lead, but as Mike Rupp and Jay Caulfield talked about in the postgame, that is just debilitating, demoralizing, and you see that happen with two future Hall of Famers. It's really hard to come back from. Penguins aren't able to do it. There's a defensive zone breakdown a couple minutes later. Nick Bugstad, another former Pittsburgh Penguin, pots his 10th goal of the season on a bad play by Eric Carlson to jump up in the play, and then Riot and Graves not able to stop the pass, and Bugstad just beats Tristan Jari for his 10th of the season. Liam O'Brien and Jack McBain pick up the assist, and that is where things stood at triple zeros. Back-to-back losses in the desert for the Pittsburgh Penguins, like I mentioned, this one by a final score of 5-2. to two. That own goal is tough. It is very, very tough. When you, I mean, you see that something like that happen, we've seen some crazy things happen with the Pittsburgh Penguins this season. We saw a goalie goal earlier this year from Tristan Jari into the empty net down in Tampa Bay. This is one that, I'm not going to lie, I always have that fear. And even Mike Lang, whenever he was in the booth for the Pittsburgh Penguins, always had that fear. He always said, well, you got to be careful here because there's no goaltender. I always feel like, with the drop passes and the amount of times the Penguins do drop passes, whenever they have the puck in their own zone on a delayed penalty, I do get a little worried. Whenever they have their uh, possession of the puck with an empty net at the end of games, I do get a little worried, and that's exactly why. Lackadaisical by Latang, although he did say after the game, I mean, if you looked at it, my pass was going to go wide of the net. It was going to go to the right of the net if it wasn't touched, if Kenny Malkin deflects it in. One hand on a stick. I mean, it's bad on everybody's part. It's it's not one person's fault. It is a mindset that kind of crept throughout this entire game for the majority of this roster. It was bad, and it is an embarrassing moment. It is a demoralizing moment if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins in a game where you really needed a good response. You lost that game in Vegas after having control of it 40 minutes in, and then you come out, and this is your response. They had no momentum throughout most of the game. They were outskated by the Arizona Coyotes, and for that to be... Not the dagger, because like I said, it's 4-2. to There was more than 10 minutes left on the clock. You could have came back. The dagger came a little bit later when a former Pittsburgh Penguin went top shelf on Tristan Jari. But when you see something like that happen, and we'll talk about it in the final thoughts really quickly, that's the type of play, the type of moment that should inspire change and should expedite change. But we'll see... You know, what happens with that? We'll discuss that in depth on Tip of the Iceberg, but we'll discuss it a little bit in the final thoughts. The three stars in this one, I'm not going to take too long on the three stars. Sidney Crosby, I gave the third star, had another crazy goal in this game. He continues to do things that not a lot of people can do. That is a 1% goal, as I like to say, because only 1% of the hockey population or the population of the entire world could pull that off, and it is Sidney Crosby. And, of course, Eric Carlson with a beautiful assist, too. Let's not forget that. But, you know, Sidney Crosby was the only glimmer of life on the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. So for that, I give him the third star of the game. Jason Zucker scored a goal and an assist against his former team. He's the second star. Another former Pittsburgh Penguin, Nick Bugstad, put the nail in the coffin in this one. Scored that dagger late in the third. He is my first star of the game in this one. Final thoughts, like I said, this is the type of road trip, that is the type of moment that can get a coach fired. I'll believe it when I see it, though. I don't think 
Mike Sullivan is a typical coach in this situation. No coaches typically get a three-year extension with two years left on their contract, but that's what Mike Sullivan got. That extension doesn't even kick in until after this season, so he is more protected than most coaches are in the National Hockey League. He has a very intimate relationship with ownership and Fedway Sports Group. But this is, again, a team that 44 games into the season, they're outside of a playoff spot. They can't seem to get out of seventh place in the Metropolitan Division. And they went out, squandered an opportunity for points in Vegas, and then they responded by just not showing up to Mullet Arena. Plain and simple. And then they embarrassed themselves in the third period once again. What will be the response on the ice and off of it? That's what remains to be seen. Will Kyle Dubas continue to sit on his hands? I don't know. It's getting to the point where I have to use the same term that I used last year and the year before when talking about Ron Hextall. Is this paralysis by analysis? Kyle Dubas was trying to give his team as long as humanly possible to show him what they can do, to show him that they deserve to stay together before the All-Star break. And at this point, you have two games left before the All-Star break. You have three games in the next 17 days. What ends up being the decision? What ends up coming of this bad road trip. The last time the Penguins had a winless road trip was the three-gamer that they came back from. Kyle Dubas had his press conference, and they went on a run to end December. What happens following this one up? Three days off, then they have two games, and then they have a long, long break with the bye week and the All-Star week. What happens in the meantime? Does Kyle Dubas get off of his hands? Does Kyle Dubas make a trade? Does Kyle Dubas force the hand of Mike Sullivan when it comes to making personnel changes on the power play? What comes of it? That's what's going to be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more, get a little bit more in-depth on that in Tip of the Iceberg. But again, this is the type of game and the type of road trip that typically gets a coach fired in the National Hockey League. This is not a typical situation in Pittsburgh. Never has been. Hasn't been for the last couple of seasons considering you have very unique situation with a 36-year-old in Sidney Crosby performing the way that he has. A unique situation in a 36-year-old in Chris Letang performing the way he has. And up until lately, and up until this season, you had a 37-year-old in Evgeny Malkin performing the way that he had. Again, another conversation to have, a conversation we've had a lot over the last couple of days, but this Pittsburgh Penguins team is in disarray right now. They're going to have to respond to it because they're not out of the race. That's the weirdest thing. After all of this, after this season that has been disappointment on disappointment on disappointment, they're still in the race. They have games in hand. So it's not all, or all hope is not lost, is what I'm meaning to say here. But at the end of the day, when you look at what happened last night, that hope is getting smaller and smaller, and the opportunity is shrinking by the day and by the game. Up next for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're staring down another three-day break. Like I mentioned, not a lot of hockey to be played here in late January, early February. Once they return to action, they will be greeted by the Florida Panthers back at PPG Paints Arena. Not the the opponent that you want to see across from you when you're struggling, but we'll see what they're able to do against the Panthers. They performed pretty well against them in early December. They did come away with a loss 3-1 to one in that one with an empty net goal. So they couldn't answer Sergei Bobrovsky. They couldn't solve Sergei Bobrovsky. We'll see who they face on Friday in net, but it's going to be the Florida Panthers. It's going to be a tough task. We'll see how the Pittsburgh Penguins respond, hopefully better than they responded at Mullet Arena. That's going to do it for this episode of the Iceberg Recap. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcast from, from searching Tip of the Iceberg. We'll be back in literally two hours with a full hour-long episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We'll continue to talk about last night, the own goal, where the Penguins stand, what Kyle Dubas can do, 
and a little bit about Eric Carlson and Evgeny Malkin because that just isn't meshing right now. We'll discuss it all here a little bit later today, but make sure you subscribe, you like, you do all that fun stuff on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcast from. We'll see you guys next time.